Hi, this is Eric, and welcome to the CBC podcast, Behind the Pulpit. This Sunday, we continued our series called Uncomfortable, and Pastor Donna talked about the idea of uncomfortable holiness. She reminded us that we as believers are called to be holy because God himself is holy. She talked about why we oftentimes are wary of the idea of holiness and why it's easy for us to be comfortable in our sin and brokenness. Today, Donna and Brandon will be joining me to discuss Sunday's message. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the podcast. All right. Well, I'm here with uh, Donna and Brandon. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. Good to be here. (laughs) All right. So this past Sunday, uh, Donna, we continued our uncomfortable series, and you talked about uncomfortable holiness. Um, One of the things that you shared with us actually this morning earlier uh, was that uh, this is one of the hardest messages that you've had to do. Maybe share a little bit about what made this one so challenging. I think, as I said in the in the message, I didn't always get what he was talking about in the book. And I listened to like some of his podcasts where he's talking about the book, and he talks about how he's writing this in response to millennials. And I don't know if that just messed with my head, so I thought, oh, I'm not a millennial. I don't get it. That's why I don't get it. So that I kept rereading stuff and trying to figure out what it was. And I think just the challenge of trying to be true to the author and, you know, reflect what he's, his intent is and then be true to the staff and what we've been talking about and um, trying to, to stay with the flow of the sermon series that we wanted to have and then also be true to my own feelings and beliefs and stuff. And sometimes a draft I would write would be trying to express what he said and then I'd realize I don't really agree with that. So then I'd have to come back and kind of rewrite it and try to figure out how to say it in a way that felt comfortable yeah speaking on a book is hard it's like you want to yeah accurately portray like what he's saying and not just completely go in a different direction but that just gets weird because then you're balancing a whole bunch of things you have scripture you have his opinion and then it gets hard I don't know about you but you're used to referencing a book when you're preaching and usually that book is the bible (laughs) and then when you start referencing another book and it's not the bible you have to remind yourself i'm not reading scripture here this is one dude's opinion and i I don't know for me at least that that first message that was a little bit just just competing for like okay whose voice am i representing here and so yeah i get that for sure yeah and then he's got a whole lot of different ideas and I can't, I can't adequately explain all of them. So I have to figure out which are the ones that, why do we pick this, and which are the ones that are most most relevant for our congregation. So that was hard too, is trying to filter out what to say and what to not include in the message. Yeah, as I listen to you talk about all the different variables we need to consider, I'm like, oh man, I need to prepare. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> for my message on Sunday and think about those yeah. variables that I need to be considering. So thanks for, you know, I think it shows a lot of uh, just your diligence and, and your desire to be faithful to, you know, the book, scripture, to yourself, to our church. So uh, that was evident. Well, have, now having given the message and kind of walking through all that, having some time to think about it after, um, how are you feeling now? Do you feel like there's anything that you'd want to reemphasize, anything you want to add? kind of 
feel free. Um, I think what I most wanted to be able to do was to take all of those things, the book, our conversations and everything, and just to make it relevant to most people in the congregation. So if I got a lot of people feeling uncomfortable, then I'm good with that. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully, and there were different people in different age groups who said that it spoke to them. So that was good because I wasn't sure if I was adequately reaching the younger generations or even the older generation, you know, so it was kind of, I gauge by the reaction of people who talk to me that, okay, it was okay. <laughs> so. Mm. Mm-hmm. so one of the things that you kind of highlighted in the message um, are kind of reasons we struggle with holiness or we don't like the idea of it or we feel uncomfortable by it. Uh, you listed five things. Uh, one, holiness means set up, to be set apart. We don't necessarily like being set apart. Uh, two, it's not fun or it doesn't seem fun. Uh, three, uh, we don't like, quote unquote, holy people. Four, it seems fake when you try to live that way. And the last one, it's, it seems unattainable. I thought it'd be good for us to talk a little bit about which one maybe resonates with each of us when we think about, yeah, what is it about the word holiness or just this idea of it that, um, that yeah, makes us feel uncomfortable? Yeah, I think kind of all five of those, and those were all five, I wrote those like really quickly, the five ideas, because they just all resonated with me. I think the most, for me, the most is the set-apartness, because, you know, I do want to belong, and I do want people to like me, and um, so that's hard. And then the holy people one, because I think that's what I push up against a lot, just in myself and in people that complain to me or don't like the things I do or say is, you know, there's that sense of kind of judgmentalism. And as I said, I have that in me as well. So maybe that's why I don't like it in other people either. It never ceases to amaze me how similar our answers are. (laughs) Frustrates me too. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I agree though. I mean, for me, the set apart one is the biggest one. And I mean, that's, I think that's been a struggle for me my entire life is just wanting to, Wanting to be like everybody else, not wanting to stand out, wanting to like be cool and, and be normal, you know. And so even in becoming a, a pastor, you know, like just that struggle to want to be just like a normal guy. Like, oh, I'm not like one of those pastors. I'm just I'm just like you guys, you know, and, and pushing up against the idea of, you know, living a different way and, and really caring about that. And so I think that goes hand in hand with the other part, the, the holy people part of just, I think we all have that image in our head of somebody who just rubbed us the wrong way. And so not wanting to be that guy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, even, even to this day, that's, that's something that I wrestle with and I have to just process through with everything. It's like, like what, what do I really want? And that's part of, I think why this series appealed to me was because it was pushing up against something um, that I really wanted or that was really appealing to me, this kind of very safe, you know, culture-appropriate version of faith. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so ironic, right? And I, and I resonate completely with the, the idea of being set apart where as believers called to, to be holy, there's that challenge in of itself. And 
And then we take on careers where we're pastors. We pursue this. We feel called, we're called to do it. And yet it's still hard for us, mm-hmm. right? Even with this title, this occupation, to still wrestle with this. But I don't want to be. And, and I think it, you know, I can only imagine for, for m- most of our church that, that struggle being real too when they're in the workplace, family, friends every day and wrestling with this tension. So yeah, I think for us to be able to say, hey, we, we struggle with that too. And, and I resonate with that. And, um, and I, you know, I, I'd say too, I think the, you know, I think what was eye-opening to me was this, the tension of like the, the holy, quote unquote, holy people. Like, I think we can all, you know, we can picture someone that kind of rubbed us the wrong way at some point. And, and for me, there's a fear of like ever coming close to being that person. You know, so maybe sometimes I go the other extreme of trying so hard, like Brandon, you said, to to show others like, hey, I'm just like you. And I think the part of like seeming fake too, like I think I resonate with that too of like, okay, I'm not, I'm not perfect, right? So anything that I do or say that might even insinuate that I think that like it's fake. So mm. I go, I try so hard, but in, in, in doing that, and I think as Donna pointed out, we miss, you know, the, the point in terms of God calling us though at the same time and to live a certain way to be, you know, it's our identity as, as Donna, you mentioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like that, the, the, the older I get, the more I realize there is like a middle ground. Like, look, you don't want to be somebody who's judgmental and, and mean spirited about holiness. But when I think about the people who have made a difference in my life and who have inspired me, and help me to change it is people who have embraced the call to holiness and are willing to push me towards that and so you know you just recognize that impactful people for the kingdom are, are, are doing that at least you know at least to some degree and yeah i mean i, I want to be one of those people so just yeah playing it safe and being like everybody else it, again it, it just doesn't work yeah, and it's hard to be that person. I was thinking this too as I was w- working on the message, and I almost included this, but I decided not to. Is we had this conversation on staff at one point about what we wanted for our church, and you guys talked about like commitment and spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. And I thought about it a lot, and I thought mostly what I want is just for people to be happy <laughs> and to be comfortable. <laughs> and so yeah. just this whole series is like it's made me think like, yeah, that's what I want, but it's not necessarily really what I want, you know? So there's always that conflict in me too. What do I want to be and what do I want people to be and how do we interact with them and just that whole picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for someone who might be listening right now and who would agree, who would say, hey, theologically, biblically, I agree with this, you know? But where, where do I begin? How do I start on this? just journey towards holiness of, you know, these things that we struggle with that make it hard to, to say, Hey, I don't want to be stuck here anymore. What would you suggest? What would you encourage them? You know, how to begin this journey towards holiness? Mm. You know, it just always comes back to just those basic spiritual discipline things like prayer and reading the Bible. And, and I think this, especially community and having people you can talk to and bounce ideas off of and, um, people who will be honest with you um, and give you honest feedback and talk through the things that you're dealing with and, and hold you accountable. So I feel like that's a really important one in this area. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like a, a huge part of it is just that basic step of just acknowledging sin. Mm. And I think going a little bit deeper than just like, I, and not that there's anything wrong with dealing with these kind of sins, but you know, when we think of holiness, like you mentioned, mom, you think of a lot of still important, but kind of surfacey stuff, you know, like, do I curse, mm. you know, and, and do I drink, you know, alcohol, you know, like how do I dress? And, and again, like there are, those are symptoms of larger issues. And so I'm not trying to dismiss those at all. But I think a lot of times we think of holiness in a very, in a very narrow way. And, and, and then even with our, when we address real sins, like we begin to narrow very focusedly on like, well, this is what holiness means to me. And I think sometimes we can lose a larger picture of how much more it is and, and how much more it can be. And I think, you know, for me, one of the most impactful parts of my life was, I think it was maybe, it seems like a long time ago, probably just like six or seven years ago, where I realized how impactful pride was in my life. And that at the heart of so much of who I was and what I was doing, and at the heart of almost every other sin in my life was this root, basic tendency towards pride. And, you know, when you think about holiness i don't know for me at least and and when i think about sin like that just wasn't the first thing that came to my mind and just kind of recognizing that and unpacking that was really important and i think i had a bunch of other like kind of surfacey stuff in my head that i just kind of focused on i said well if i could just get better at this then i'll be good but it was you know the, the deeper issues that i needed to kind of address and come to and so again like we should pay attention to all of those sins, but I think to like kind of expand our, our scope of well, what does that look like for me and to acknowledge it and just begin to think about it. I, I think that's important. And, and I think there are larger holiness issues, you know, that we could talk about here or at, at some other point that are, are worth considering. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. I think it's whenever you have that little thought of conviction that, Hmm, I wonder about this. And then you think, oh, it's okay. Everybody does it. That's the kind of thing you have to lean into more um, is to not just dismiss things when you start to think of them. Because I, I think that's what I talked about with that when I gave that example of me getting mad at the secretary on the phone was it was so easy to just say, it's not that big a deal. Everybody does it. She's probably not going to think about it. But, and it was so hard just to write that little email and you know, apologize. And I felt like it was very impactful because she responded so right away. But I almost didn't want to give that example because I didn't want to narrow people down to just think about that. Mm. But it's kind of, and I didn't make this point, but it's kind of that whole thing of whenever I start to think, it doesn't matter. Everybody does it. It's not that big a deal. But that's the thing I have to think about. Mm. And Donna, if you could just kind of that next step, and you did share about it uh, in the message that thought crosses your mind initially, right? It's okay. Everyone does it. And like you said, I had the right to do it. There were things that the other person didn't do that they're supposed to do or vice versa. And then that thought goes, huh, maybe it's not okay. What lit from that point, what led you to actually go, I'm going to write this email and send it out. I just felt uncomfortable about it. And this thought stayed there. It was like, at the time, 
I was doing other things. I was with other people. And usually things just, you know, you just forget about things. And that one just stuck there. So it was like something I couldn't ignore. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that discomfort just continued to grow and to stay with me. So I had to do something. I had to either decide I'm not going to think about it anymore or maybe I better do something about this. And then at what point does the email idea come to mind? I think that came really quickly because I didn't want to call her back. <laughs> and so email, <laughs> you know, an email is my, is my go-to venue. Um, so that was there right away, but it just seemed weird because, you know, as I said, I didn't have a personal relationship with her and it just seemed kind of weird. Like not a part of our, the normal way you would interact with a secretary in an office that you don't really know. Um, but that thought came right away. It was like, you know, a God thing maybe <laughs> or the Spirit's input right away. But that's what I fought against for a while is, I can't do that. That would be weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love the, the example of that one because you can see kind of tangible steps that you took to you know, begin moving towards that, ho- that holiness of, of just feeling that discomfort recognizing that's not going away that's there and rather than dismissing it right moving towards like well what might god want me to do and and you had an idea whether it was god spoke to you whether just something came to mind to wrestle with that but then to even just act on it right to take that step of faith and say like i I don't know if this is the perfect thing to do but i'm just going to do it and then to see the fruit in that you know kind of confirmation that it was a god thing yeah, and, you know, I kind of feel like anger is a big deal with people. Like, at least with older people, we tend to dismiss it and think it's normal. Um, we just lash out at people. And and this has happened with me with people who have gotten upset with me and who I know feel bad about it later, but who have never apologized. Um, so, And I think that's what makes me think the apology is important, even though I don't hold it against them. Um, we're friends, nothing, nothing bad comes of it. I remember it, and I would remember if somebody apologized as well. So I think just the dealing with the anger and taking that next step is something, I don't know, it's something really freeing and, you know, that moves us forward as well. Well, thanks for bringing that up, and I think that's a good segue to the next question I had, um, which is, you know, you talked about this idea of brokenness and being comfortable with it and on one hand you know we are broken it's important to be able to acknowledge it and, and ex- receive god's grace in light of it but on the other hand we weren't meant to stay there right we're not meant to stay broken and to embrace it like it's a badge of honor um you know i think for a lot of us and I, I, most of us right we probably wouldn't say hey i just want to stay broken there are just some sins in my life I just, I'm just i just going to enjoy and I'm just going to accept, don't talk. You know, for a lot of us, I think it's not intentional. It's, it's perhaps more un- un- unintentional. But kind of maybe talk a little bit about what are some of those sins maybe in kind of our culture, whether it's a generational thing, whether it's just a cultural thing, that maybe we tend to, to overlook. You know, I think, Brandon, you began to talk a little bit about some of the small things we focus on you talked about your own kind of identifying pride as one, but what are maybe some things that, you know, we're not pointing fingers at anybody, but in the spirit of, of, of wanting to help say, Hey, you know, I think there's some sins, some struggles that maybe we do overlook, 
and we don't um, take it as serious as, as we're called to. Um, what are some that come to mind? I think there are two that come to mind, and these were I was thinking about even as I was writing the sermon, and I think, I think they're characteristic of people my age, older generation, um, but there's specific things that I've had to deal with, so maybe that's I'm just projecting that onto everybody my age. Um, but the one is the anger thing, and I think it generally comes out with us because we know anger is not good in passive-aggressive remarks, um, and passive-aggressive remarks sound very clean and kind and nice, but there's some kind of edge to it that's hurtful. And I think we do that because we know we're not supposed to be angry, so we couch it in a passive-aggressive form. So I think that's very common. And then the other one is gossip and talking about people. Um, and I know when I get together with friends, a lot of times it's talking about people in a nice way or in a way to like support them, but it's very easy to turn into just talking about people for the sake of talking about them. And that's something I've really had to guard against and to catch myself in and to stop doing. Um, so I feel like those are very common things just because I do them, but maybe not. No, I mean, I, I agree. I, the first thing that came to my mind was just just relational stuff, like mm -hmm. in general. I think, I think even if we kind of would acknowledge that they're that those are not good things. Th it's a good example of things where you just kind of get stuck in a certain way of living and a certain way of behaving. Um, the other one that came to mind, and I think this is, I, I think a huge one, and everyone would acknowledge this is a big deal, but I think the subtle ways that it creeps into our life is just, just the basic sin of idolatry. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. especially when we talk about our culture and, you know, just that idea that to be kind of normal in today's society is to be really towing that line of utter sinfulness. And I think that that's a big problem for us is because as much as we want to, you know, solely worship God, you know, if you look at our lives and you look at our choices and our time and our, our money, you know, it is, it isn't God, you know, it's, it's a lot of other things. And so, um, and I think that's where you really get into the whole, like, well, this is fine. Everybody does it. You know, you look around at everyone else at church and, well, they're all, they spend their money way worse than I do, or they make a lot more than I do, or that person spends way more time at work than I do, or, or, or whatever the case may be. We could always find a worse example of ourselves, mm -hmm. which isn't a great thing, but it allows us to kind of slide into this comfort zone with, really kind of functionally devoting our lives to things that the Bible explicitly says, like, this is not what you live for. This is not what life is about. And I think if we're honest, you know, those are, those are ones that I think really take hold in, in a, in a really harmful way. And so, um, that was the, uh, and you know, there's a, a whole litany of sins that come out of, you know, that, you know, materialism, um, you know, hedonism, pride itself, you know, all the, like, there's all a lot of different things that we worship and we pursue outside of God that are, are sinful in different ways. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, yeah, to, to frame it even in that context of idolatry and really painting that broad picture where, yeah, I, that's clearly evident. And, and I resonate with that. I mean, I, when I was thinking about it, I mean, I think the materialism, aspect came to mind mm -hmm. and for all the reasons that you know you listed brandon in terms of it's so easy especially there right and, and i struggle with it 
<laughs> to look around and like, I'm not anywhere close to to living the way those people live. And therefore it's okay, you know, but to, to be objective and to, to look and go, you know, I think, yeah, there's things where it's easy for me to just kind of brush it under the rug and say, it's fine. You know, mm-hmm. nobody, nobody, everybody does it kind of thing. Um, I think for me as well, and, and I shared it, and I think in another podcast, even the idea of fear, you know, mm-hmm. like there's things we just worry about and, and maybe it's tied to, I, I think it is tied to idolatry. Mm-hmm. There's just things we worry about. There's things we're afraid of, things we stress about, uncertainties where it's, it's normal. It's just so normal to, are you stressed about that? I'm so stressed about it too, right? And in a way we become comfortable, right? With living that way and just, mm-hmm. it's, it's normal. It's, it'd be abnormal to not worry about those things. And I think for me, kind of objectively looking at things, what are the things I worry about? What are the things I'm afraid of? What are the things I stress about? And I think for me, if I'm honest, there's a lot of things where it's just like, you know, like if I really believe what I claim to believe, then it's not okay to stay here. Now, Mm -hmm. I can't fix it by myself. I can't just make myself unafraid, you know, by snapping my fingers, but to just be able to, say hey it's not okay to stay here though mm-hmm. you know yeah i think along with that there's the fear i always think of fear and worry as going together and for me worry has been like a big thing to overcome um and i think we don't often think about those as sins because they're kind of passive they're not doing anything wrong what it really comes down to and i feel like all my sermons come down to the point of trust god and i think fear and worry are the two things that they get in the way a lot of trusting God and allowing God to move forward, move us forward in our lives. So another thing, Donna, you mentioned, and and I really love how you pointed out the, you know, there is this, when this tension with this idea of brokenness, right? That when we talk about acknowledging that we're broken, there's a healthy aspect to that, right? A, A safety of, coming to a place acknowledging that you're broken and being embraced you know in light of it right? and then on the other hand at the same time we can't stay there and we do need to grow we need to move forward but what does that what does the balance look like you know i think i'm the thing i'm wondering is you know for someone out there going what should i be feeling you know, okay, I, I recognize my sin, and on one hand, there's the gospel, and there's grace, and there's mercy. On the other hand, there's this call to holiness, right? And this call to put effort into it, and to commit to growing and maturing. So, and I think we can think about both extremes, right? One extreme where it's just all grace, all acceptance, then there becomes this, like, discomfort, and maybe this passiveness, laziness, perhaps, or just I'm not going to change. I'm just going to be who I am because I'm safe and God gives me grace. On the other hand, there's the extreme of, you know, it become it feels legalistic. It feels like carrying this burden that's impossible to carry and it's never ending, right? So, you know, for someone who's wrestling with both and, and saying, well, what what should I be feeling then? Right? What what would you say to them? I think in asking the question, you just explained everything I would have said <laughs> in answering it. <laughs> but yeah, the word that comes to mind and is is the um, the idea of worthiness that we are worthy, um, that we're loved and forgiven, and we're made worthy. We don't have to prove it or earn it. 
Um, we don't have to be holy enough to become worthy. We're already worthy. But yeah, that we can't stay in the brokenness and we can't just be satisfied with sin and um, and continuing to doing the wrong things we know we're doing. Um, but I think that the idea is that holiness is not something we have to prove or earn or um, that God already loves us fully and unconditionally. So I think for me that's important is that I'm not I'm not being holy so that I can earn God's love or so that I can um, earn people's approval either. It's I'm already worthy, but this is who I am. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't want to over-intellectualize this and turn it into a theology class, but... Too late. You're going to do it. <laughs> I, I do it. So I do it. Do it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do think part of, the, part of the problem here is like a lack of understanding of both justification and sanctification and being rock solid in both and understanding the difference between both. I was going to use the word sanctification in the message, but I thought that was too, <laughs> too nerdy that was and too, too nerdy. theological. Well, I'll so. go ahead and be <laughs> nerdy. <laughs> but right, like, I mean, if you, if like, it goes back to what you said, Mom, and, and just if you're rock solid on the justification point, like who you are, identity, how God sees you, and like, you know, you, you feel that completely and you trust in it. Like that's that's a great starting point and that's that's the basis for everything, right? Because as soon as you get into like I'm working for God's favor or his love or whatever, it, it's everything's upside down, right? And it doesn't feel good and, and you're chasing something that you're not supposed to be chasing. You're chasing something you already have and then you're not experiencing it and uh, you know, kind of empowering you to move forward. But at the same time, to understand just the heart of sanctification, that it's a separate thing from like how God sees you and, and your identity and the reality of our, you know, of, of who we are and our sinfulness. But to say like, no, there's this whole other side of things where God calls us to, you know, to so much. Right. And it's not so that he loves us, but because like there, there's a better life for us and there's you know, we want to live like him and, and, and that desire to do it outside of any like kind of performative standard. I think that's, that's really important. And so, you know, I think that, that wanting to kind of stay in the, in the brokenness is kind of wanting to experience like justification over and over and over again. But it's like, at some point you have to step forward and say like, no, oh, that's, I've got that. I, I'm good there. I, I want, now to kind of to kind of live that out and so um i don't know i felt like i just kind of confused myself but (laughs) but yeah i do think balancing those things and understanding both that both are valid like we're not trying to trample grace we're not trying to say grace isn't important we're not saying that works is how you earn god's love or favor but it does matter and and i think to to not lean into that is just kind of missing out and so yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. And I love how you just ended it, that idea of missing out. You know, so oftentimes we view holiness and this call to holiness is like pursuing something lesser, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, we're going to sacrifice our joy this lifetime, our happiness, fun, so that we can give God what he wants. And it feels well, not punitive, but it just feels restrictive. It feels limiting. But that idea that you painted of, no, we miss out. And I love the distinction of 
you know, just making it clear the difference between justification and sanctification to be able to experience both and what that means and what that looks like. So no, thank you. You know, that was a great explanation. And um, yeah, there's a level of understanding that needs to take place. So if you want to re-listen to that, just go back to the 28 minute mark <laughs> where Brandon gets started and, and that was good. So thank you for, uh, for sharing that. Um, uh, with that, you know, I think it, it's, it's important that we intellectually understand what's happening. Right. Um, and I think that's that's a process as people grow and understand Scripture, what God said, how God sees them, what God calls them to do, what does faith look like, what does it mean to trust, um, you know. And then, not that it's separate; it's the same. But and then there's just the day to day, right, living through this. And you know, you both shared about you know, hey, things that God is pointing out in yourself, right? Whether it's the anger part, or whether it's just the, your own personal struggles or pride that Brandon you mentioned. Um, when you recognize, hey, there's some bigger stuff that, that God wants to address. Things that are, are are big, things that are serious, and things that don't get resolved overnight. Mm-hmm. Right? What does it look like for you kind of day-to-day, you know, wrestling with that? Um, just practical ways that you feel God has kind of led you in that, things maybe you're doing to intentionally... Um, just to give, I think, our listeners ideas of like, okay, like, hey, I, I understand justification and I, I've received it, I believe it, and now I want to grow and experience more sanctification. And now God points out there's a key, there's this big issue He wants to address, and we want to jump on it too, and we're all all for it. But but, but what what does that look like now? Mm. What do I do, and how much how much is enough? You know, uh, what would you say? Um. That's a good question. I think for me, like, well, I'm just thinking last week I um, I had taken my mom to the doctor and there were a lot of new things that came up and I was feeling really, st- the only reason I knew I was feeling really stressed is because I got this really big stomach ache and I never get stomach aches. Stomach aches and headaches I know are stress because I rarely get them <laughs> unless I'm with my mom <laughs> or some other situation that's. I know my mom doesn't listen to the app, so I can say this now. <laughs> Grandma, <laughs> to the I love podcast. you. <laughs> I, I don't know what she's talking about. You're wonderful. <laughs> but anyways, I had this really big stomachache. So after I left and I'm driving home, it was like, I, you know, I just realized, oh, something's happening here. And so I just, you know, did that thing that I talked about in the prayer sermon series is I just asked God, what do you want to say to me right now? What is it I need to know? And the words that just came to me were just settle down, just settle down. Um, and kind of that's just what helped me just calm down and not feel so stressed about it. Um, I was on my way home and I had to stop at Trader Joe. And so the cashier asked me, so how's your day going? So I just told her, I just took my mom to the doctor and I feel really stressed. And she just was so great. And so kind of just that idea of like being able to vent it. And I think God just placed me in the line with this young girl who was just really talkative and really sympathetic and and so I came out of that just feeling so much better. But I think mm-hmm. just just asking God, you know, what do you want to say to me? Where should I be going with it? And just like engaging with God and making God a part of that. Um, God provides and he just kind of leads me through it. So that would just be my greatest suggestion. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the like the phrase that came to mind was just brutal honesty mm-hmm. uh, with myself. And I think, I think that's somewhat unique to 
the specific type of sin I'm struggling with in terms of pride, but I think it probably applies to everything is, you know, like you're, you're always going to be so like your mind is going to fight so hard to stay the same and Mm -hmm. to just keep doing things the same way and to rationalize your behavior and to look at everything you do and say, that was fine. That wasn't your fault. That was somebody else. You're, you're okay. And I think the thing that's, the thing that's most helpful for me and, and that's helped me grow the most is just like moments to be honest with myself and look at a behavior and look at a choice or look at something I've said to, you know, to Alyssa or to my kids or to whomever and, and just realize like, no, that's, that's on you, dude. Like that's, that's me. And, and, and I need to like deal with that and I need to reconcile and, and I need to be honest about just all the ways that I'm just, I'm being selfish or I'm, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm not being kind to somebody else, right? I'm, I'm only thinking about things from my perspective. And I've just found that's really hard. Like that whole process of, you know, one, recognizing it and then going through that whole battle in your mind of like, no, you're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like, forget them. Like, they're wrong. They should have done this. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I, I can rationalize anything I do and say, and into like, I'm the good guy. But to go to that place of, no, you're the bad guy here. And then I found this, I mean, this goes back to what you said, mom, about writing that email. Is like apologizing to people is, is hard, you know, and, and it's, it's easier when someone's mad at you, you know, like if I do something obviously wrong to Alyssa, she's upset. It's pretty easy to apologize because there's something in it for me, you know, it's like, okay, I need to apologize or, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's, you get to there's, sleep in co- your bed there's consequences. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to apologize when like there's no like everything's at stasis right like everything's fine like no one's really called you out on it and you're just kind of there like i could get away with that and everything would be okay but to like rehash something up and and say to someone say to Alyssa or a friend and say you know what like can we talk about this because i think i i shouldn't have done that or or i need, I need to like apologize for that that's way harder i don't know it's like it's awkward it's uncomfortable it's it's it feels it just feels weird in a lot of ways and so i don't know but i i feel like those are kind of the moments where i've grown the most and i do think it just starts with that ability to be honest with yourself and look at your life and say okay that's that's sinful you know and i think we give ourselves a pass for so much or we just kind of sort of acknowledge it and then and then move on from it but to really take it and deal with it and root it out and deal with the consequences of it whether you have to or not um i think that's that's a really important part of it but yeah i'd start with on i'd start with just the honesty part Mm -hmm. yeah oh and just as you're talking i realized that i the story i just told about my mom and just asking god what do you want to say to me i made it sound like it was just because I stressed, but it was also because I was feeling guilty about being impatient and mm-hmm. being short with her and cutting her off. So there was a, a sin holiness aspect to it. It wasn't just about God placating me. <laughs> it was about <laughs> me dealing with something mm-hmm. inside me that I didn't, you know, I wasn't comfortable with. And I needed, I knew I needed something that God did to do something or to change something or to speak to me in some way in that. Yeah. So. But it's easy to take that 
that discomfortable that the uncomfortable feeling that you have and blame it on somebody else yeah. right like yeah. you could just stay there and i could see a different version of that where you just sit there and be like oh yeah <laughs> she's yeah. she was so like blah blah and then you come yeah. to our house for dinner and you complain about her a little yeah. bit <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's getting way too honest now. Oh yeah, that's that's another day. <laughs> but no, right? I mean, right? You you just—it's so easy to take those feelings and put it on mm-hmm. somebody else, and not just put it on yeah. yourself. Yeah. And it's hard to say no. Like this is—I feel that way because I was wrong. Yeah. yeah. So if I could press into that a little bit more, Brandon. Yeah. You know, I think you're right. It's so easy for us in those kinds of situations, and and Donna, you—it's so easy for us to justify our response to mm-hmm. things, right? Even if it's a sinful response. And mm-hmm. that's why we do it because it's easy. It's usually the first thing that comes to mind and it's just the loudest voice. Yeah. But you mentioned, you know, I just need to be honest with myself. I need to be honest, brutal honesty. And in those moments to be objective, right? Like That's so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, so yeah. how do you even get there, right? Like, I think people would if they could. And in that moment, they were to, you know have that conversation, but what are the things in your journey that have helped you do it to make it easier to do the, to do that? It's helped me, I think, to have a lot of honest people in my life who have been that voice for me externally before I was able to internalize it. And I think that's an important part of maybe as a starting point is to give people permission to be honest with you and to receive honest feedback well. You know, it's like it's one thing to tell somebody, hey, I want you to be really honest with me about my behavior. And then when they're honest with you, you're like, now forget you. (laughs) You're wrong. How dare you? But to invite it and and accept it, you know, gracefully. And um, yeah, so I mean, just in terms of like my marriage, like I'm thankful that like Alyssa is honest with me. And so like we've had conversations and, through those conversations have come to realize kind of the patterns for me where like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I, I would have just thought, no, this is fine. I'm right. But whether it's through like premarital counseling or just the conversations we've had or the input that, that my mom has given me and, and, and you know, just things like that where if, if you can take those things in and, and again, like receive it well and, and yeah, so I think surrounding yourself with people who are honest with you and um, and are wise and who have kind of a, yeah, at least a somewhat biblical mindset, right? Like it's one thing to just ask anybody, but to ask somebody who you feel like, yeah, I think they have a good sense of what's right and, and you know, what, what God would want for my life. And so that's, that's hard though. I mean, I'm fortunate to have um, that in terms of family and, and my wife and my best friend and just... There's a lot of people who will, I think will be honest with me and not everybody has that, but, um, I think it's, it's possible in maybe more relationships than we're willing to admit. And, um, yeah, I mean, maybe it just starts with just opening up those dialogues. I think too. Yeah. For me too, it's relationships are hard and it's, you know, my marriage didn't work out and there's a, there's a number of friendships also that just didn't work out the way I thought they would. And, you know, and from my divorce, I think, especially that's when I started to realize it's not always the other person's fault alone. 
as much as I want it to be, mm. you know. And when you read anything about divorce, it's always, you know, there's two people in the marriage, right? You have to take some responsibility for that. And even in friendships, it, when things don't work out the way I think they should, it's like, I could blame the other person, but this there seems to be a pattern. There are things that about myself that I need to see. And again, like Brandon said, just be brutally honest about. Um, yeah, so just, yeah, that openness to maybe I could be wrong here. Um, I think it's an important thing. And then, you know, spending time in solitude for me has been really good and just allowing God to speak into that and, you know, having those extended times where I'm just, you know, thinking about things, getting myself worked up and then realizing, oh, God wants to say something about this or this isn't really, you know, a spiritual way to be thinking about this situation. Um, And I think a lot of times we just don't think about things in depth, we kind of just let them go and don't think through them and, um, yeah, get to that point of taking responsibility. So I think that's important too. Mm. And I think uh, this just came to my mind, like the fact that it's, it's hard to have those kind of relationships or it's hard to do that does kind of speak volumes about the church, you know, like, right. Like of, of all things that, that the church would do, Right. Like we call each other to holiness. We exhort each other. We build each other up. We encourage each other. And, you know, we heard hear the word encourage in scripture. And it's like, oh, we'll say nice things about each other. But scripture is saying, like, no, build each other up, help each other, mm-hmm. call each other mm-hmm. to holiness. And I think the, the lack of a desire for holiness and a discomfort talking about holiness and a desire to, or, or discomfort talking about sin has kind of robbed the church of one of the most beautiful things it can be is, is to be honest with each other and to help each other grow and to be that voice for each other that says like, Hey, like that's not okay. That's not good. And so I'm not really offering any solutions, nor am I like condemning anyone in particular, but it does speak to that. I think there's some validity of what McCracken's saying in this book is that we clearly don't like holiness because we're not doing it. You know, like that's, you think about what our small groups are like as, as much as I love my small group and, and, you know, I, I enjoy being there and I love the people. Like, that's not really something that's happening there. And it would feel kind of weird if if it did, you know. And so that's, I think we have to build a culture that's willing to bring that stuff to the table. Or else you're, you're, you're kind of right. Like, we're never going to have those enough of those relationships for us to grow. So there's kind of this, like, ongoing cycle of us being willing to do it us inviting it and creating those kind of relationships so that as a church, we can become a culture that values holiness in that way and perpetuates it. It's amazing how, how hand in hand they go. And and Mm -hmm. I love both of your responses, just these last few minutes. Um, It's so easy. I think when we talk about holiness, um, when we talk about the idea of exhorting each other and calling each other holiness to just think, okay, people are going to be calling me out. People are ju- here. Okay, permission to judgmental people, pride, arrogance, but everything you guys described right before that, right, was really this picture of humility, right, and vulnerability. Oh right? yes, we're very humble. Us Katagis. But in a sense of, you know, both of you, right? When I asked you, what does it look like for you? How d- how does this process, right, Donna? You mentioned over and over, it's pausing to listen. In, in every moment, right, when you feel justified to feel what you feel, to say what you say, to stop and say, okay, God, is there anything you want to say to me, 
right? And it's this picture of constant dependency, right? Like we can't fix it ourselves every day, every moment, coming before God, listening. And Brandon, you, same thing, but listening to the body, right? To listen to to people you trust, uh, people that he places around you for count, wise counsel to, mm. you know, it's, it is both combined a picture, I think, of what the church is meant to look like, right? And I think when, when we can have that kind of humility where we invite other people in, to speak into our lives and to call us out for things that are hard. I think it's going to perpetuate self and encourage other people to live the same way. Mm. And thus the picture of a church that is exhorting each other, encouraging each other is not people giving unsolicited advice, right? Mm -hmm. It's people asking each other, please speak into my life. And mm -hmm. I think that picture when they go hand in hand is, is a beautiful picture of, of what the church is meant to be, of what the body is meant to be. And it's great hearing you two talk about it because in your lives, you're, you're demonstrating it. You're inviting God to speak. You're inviting the body, you know, people to speak into your life. So, mm -hmm. yeah, thanks for sharing that. And it was fun to, you know, s hear you both talk about it in, in, in kind of different ways, how you go about listening and applying that mm -hmm. uh, to your life. Because I think, you know, it is hard. And, and that's why we struggle with it. But to paint this picture of we can't do it alone. And that leads to a whole nother conversation <laughs> of why church is uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. And we'll save that for coming down the road. Yeah. But I think with where we're at now, um, that was a beautiful picture. So thanks for sharing that. Mm. Um, sure. Was well, we kind of wrap up our time here? Is there anything either of you would like to add or say? No. Yesterday, I was thinking about the podcast, and I had all these ideas in my head of things I <laughs> wanted to talk about, but they're all completely gone. Now, <laughs> so that's it. Well, I hadn't thought about the podcast at all until I sat down, so I've also got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you both said a lot, and uh, I was encouraged by it, and I know those listening were encouraged by it. So thank you both for being here. You're welcome. Yeah, that was fun. All right. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast.